0: Welcome to The Girls' Room. I'm your host, Marissa Cantalmo. The Girls' Room is a safe space where we talk about all things uncomfortable, challenging, and oftentimes gross that come along with womanhood. Tune in every week for a new glamorous episode. Welcome back to another episode of The Girls' Room. This month, we're discussing all things period-related for a continuation of last year's menstruation May. Each week, we'll be diving deeper into different menstruation topics with education, products, and relatable experiences. Today joining us, we have a special guest, Mo, who runs Mo Motivate on Instagram, an endometrious warrior who educates others and shares her story on this disease. So welcome, Mo. Thank you. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. So for those who don't know you, can you introduce yourself?
1: Surely. So what up, everybody. My name is Mo. Um, A lot of people call me Mo or Momo. My real legal name is Maureen Laurie, but you're welcome to call me any of the above. Um, I'm formerly a consultant for nonprofits specializing in uh, public relations, communications, content creation, um, and really just nonprofit development. I've worked 10 years for urban gardens, social justice, uh, sustainability, education focused nonprofits. Um, these days, I'm too ill to work. Um, so, taking care of this body of mine that's super ill is a full-time job. I miss the shit out of my work and my coworkers, but uh, these days, it's my job is to is to heal.
0: So, can you explain to us what the fuck
1: endometriosis is? <laughs> yep. And I even say it in my intro video on endometriosis. What the fuck is endometriosis? I mean, come on, they couldn't come up with a better word than endometriosis. It's a weird looking word. Um, so, endometriosis is when tissue like the lining of the uterus, and I, I am. Uh, specifying like, because it's not the actual native lining of the uterus is found in other parts of the body. So this tissue, we still don't know how it actually forms. There's about four different theories that are out there, um, maybe six now actually. Um, The original theory was that we were backwards menstruating. And we actually found out recently that all women backwards menstruate. So that is not how we are ending up with the lining of, of the uterus somewhere else in our body. Um, they are also now finding out that, that endometriosis has been found in embryos. So it is not necessarily a uh, disease that is for menstruating women. We are also finding out that women post-menopause and radical hysterectomies are still having endometriosis found and having endometriosis surgeries in, in their 60s. So this weird tissue ends up in other parts of the body and it gets inflamed um, with every menstrual cycle where it either will swell up with inflammation or it will actually bleed out and have create scar tissue that actually glues organs together. So that's the most basic uh, definition that I can give for endometriosis right now. We still, like I said, we still don't know really enough about how it forms and where it comes from. And I think that's also the reason that we're kind of delayed on curing this and really trying to find good treatments for this.
0: So your Instagram bio states that you have both pelvic and thoracic endometriosis. Can you break down those two different types and what's the difference and what that truly means?
1: Sure. So, um, it turns out for, for many, many years, they always just kind of assumed that uh, endometriosis was around the reproductive organs and just a reproductive organ disease. And it turns out that is not the case whatsoever. Um, in fact, I think it even goes back to the 60s that we do have evidence of women having uh, endometriosis in other parts of their body outside of the pelvis. Um, not a lot of people know that actually, Marilyn Monroe suffered a lot from endometriosis uh, and maybe was part of the reason why some people thought that she was pregnant at the time because she had endo belly, which is the inflammation that comes from endometriosis that can make you look even six months pregnant. Um, Yeah, I know, right? So um, the difference though is, I mean, there's no real difference between the tissue themselves. Um, I think there is a little, I think that the way that it presents can be different. There may be different nodules or something like that, but basically uh, endometriosis outside of the reproductive organs has its own uh, word before it, so depending on where it is. For me, I have endometriosis in my pelvic region. I also have it in my diaphragm, So um, and that includes all the organs that are in the diaphragm and also the cavity of the diaphragm. And thoracic endometriosis is uh, endometriosis found within the thoracic cage. And that can also overlap with uh, the diaphragm as well, because thoracic and uh, diaphragm share some of the same organs. But that is not the only places that it is found. Uh, we have found endometriosis in brains. We found endometriosis in sinuses. We've found it in the nervous system, the circulatory system um, what I'm speaking of is a lot more rare than, uh, than we see with uh, pelvic endometriosis. But for a while, even three years ago, when I had my last surgery, uh, my thoracic endometriosis was considered to be incredibly rare. And In the last three years, we've realized it's not that rare at all, actually. It's happening all over. It's just that we're finally listening to women and they're going in and they are doing the surgeries and they're actually finding it. Um, Thoracic endometriosis um, also has a big name because it can cause lung collapses, spontaneous lung collapses. So, um, and that's pretty damn scary uh, to say the least. Yeah, so, and we do have a lot of evidence with that. Um, You know, perfectly healthy women uh, in their 40s, you know, had no other pain whatsoever. And all of a sudden they're in the hospital with a lung collapse and they can't figure out where exactly it comes from. So, and I believe that, uh, I can't think of the stat of what it is, but now they're starting to realize that, as they call it, spontaneous lung collapses. So lung collapses in healthy women are usually connected to endometriosis. It can happen at the time of your menses um, because you know there is a lot of inflammation, like I said, scar tissue going on at that time. But honestly, uh, it can happen at any time. You can have a flare from endometriosis at, at any point within your cycle. Um, but one of the telltale signs of endometriosis is having bad periods and having bad inflammation during, you know, your periods.
0: Holy shit. Like, right. how are you living a day-to-day life? Like I, okay, wait, I'm, I'm going to backtrack here. Tell us about your journey with this. Sure. When did you get diagnosed with this? How did you even find out that you had this? Like, I I want to hear it all because like, how sure. the fuck are you,
1: how are you doing this? Well, I want you call, I think, an endo elder at this point. I've had a hysterectomy. I'm 40 years old. Um, when I do see uh, the community, the endo community on social media and the, the girls that I'm following, I mean, these are girls that are in their 20s and I am completely amazed by them um, and their ability to have all this information. So, you know, um, I, by the time I was 14, I realized that uh, something was kind of up. Um, my first episode of endometriosis, I remember very clearly. I mean, I had, um, let's see, yeah, I was vomiting and ejecting ex- excrement, like fireworks basically, out of my tush. <laughs> I woke up on the floor of the bathroom. Um, I was told that period of pain could make you pass out, and that was normal. And I learned from the patriarchy that women are weak. So I hid my shit, literally, from everyone (laughs) and I was told that, uh, you know, food poisoning could also hurt enough to make you pass out. And since my, you know, bad periods were also associated with uh, disabling bowel movements, I always just thought I was prone to food poisoning. Um, I was told during an episode by a sibling that I was being dramatic. So, you know, my family made jokes about me being dramatic because I was an incredible actress at the age of 16. And, it, you know, it was endearing, honestly. But I also internalized it, unfortunately. Um, and I just figured I was weak and that I would not tell a soul about the pain for years to come. So, uh, my period was not the biggest sign for endo for me, though. And this is something that I really want uh, women and parents, especially, to understand right now. My biggest symptom was my immune system. Around PMS each month, I would get a sinus infection, I would get an ear infection, the flu, a raging fever. Uh, my docs just kept putting me on antibiotics each month. And by the time I was 16, we were adding steroids to the mix. Um, and, you know, my doctors would even say to me, man, it's only been three and a half weeks since you were last in here to see me but I never clicked to them that there was something that was going on with my immune system and that there was a cyclical element that was happening here um so um let's see where did that go from there but um the disorder in my teens actually um sprung by endo every three weeks I like actually ended up having an eating disorder from so uh, I became bulimic in my teens because every three weeks I would gain like 16 pounds of inflammation and water weight. I looked like I had, you know, I had endo belly, So I looked like I was six months pre- pregnant. And honestly, in my, once I realized that I had endometriosis in my thirties, I started to blame my, my eating disorder on it. And I was like, I have endometriosis because of my eating disorder. I think a lot of us that have a chronic disease and chronic pain, we like to try to find something that we did, you know, so that we can undo it somehow, but it had nothing to do with that. It. it was actually the other way around that the, uh, the inflammation and the pain from endometriosis and the bloat was what was actually causing me to have an eating disorder. So eventually I, you know, I got a great psychiatrist and was able to work out of that. Um, but you know, it again. My period wasn't necessarily my biggest sign that um, I had bad en- endometriosis. So by the time I got to my 20s, I actually started to develop chronic fatigue syndrome. So in chronic fatigue syndrome, um, there's two different elements to it. They think that you can either get it from mono or from bacterial infection or viral infection, and just doesn't really go away. Or there's people like me who have just been trying to live a normal life while they have been so damn diseased and sick that it's been oxidative stress that has called me now to have chronic fatigue syndrome. So in my 20s, I was losing my jobs. The two jobs that I had at my university, I wasn't able to keep up with because I was so sick with endometriosis. I was so sick with the immune compromising compromising that was going on um, and I was so damn tired all the time. I mean this fatigue makes you feel like you have a 600 pound bodysuit that you're wearing every day and it's it's difficult literally physically to just get out of bed um, And again I just thought I was weak I kept on telling myself you're weak girl you know and I just kept on blaming it on myself and I kept on internalizing it. Um, And I kept on hiding the fact that I was passing out from my periods from people. Um, And it wasn't until I was 29 years old that I finally spoke up to my doc. Um, My periods were black. Uh, I was birthing clots the size of babies. And I do mean that I was actually birthing them. Like I was actually having contractions, you know, from the size of the clots that were coming out out of me. Um, Yeah, I know, super gross. (laughs) <laughs> um it's painful. And, yeah, and it didn't stop for over four months. And I was also peeing blood. And what did she tell me? What did my OBGYN tell me? She said, it's totally normal. Get out. The yeah, literally get out. <laughs> get out. What? Yes. None of that, none of that is normal, okay, so ladies just know, none of that is normal, and uh continue to keep on advocating for yourself and get out there and find a different o b g y n uh, but again, I grew up at a time that you know, even when i was twenty nine these are these which was eleven years ago, these were still things that we did not really talk about, um, so I wasn't gonna advocate for myself because again, I just thought I was weak and I did not speak up um. But I, I started to work for Portland State University. And that, when, when I started to really kind of realize how sick I was and it was impacting my job and my colleagues there, and my boss came to me and actually asked me to step down from my position because I was so sick, that's when I started to really start to think that something was up. And unfortunately, when I lost that job, I lost my insurance. So I wasn't, in. Yeah, and I wasn't able to get free insurance at that time either. This wasn't, you know, this was all during Obamacare uh, when it was just being launched and everything. So um, I lost my insurance. My doctors and I had just been starting to kind of talk about it and we figured that it was Crohn's disease because Crohn's disease runs in my family. And again, it had a lot to do with the intestinal bit for me. So uh, anyways, I ended up taking a uh, position with the nonprofit called Soul Tracker, and I actually got to not only live in, but I got to tour their sustainable RV up and down the West Coast, yes, uh, for about two years, and this allowed me to kind of be sick when I need to be sick and then go and show you know at conferences universities and k-12 through schools uh and at this time i was starting to see this cyclical element with it too so as it, i was able to start planning out like i was i knew that i was going to be sick for you know two weeks out of the month and two weeks out of the month i was going to feel better and i'd be able to get you know these things done um still did not think anything about the cycl- cyclicalness of it or um that I didn't even know the word endometriosis. I mean, no one knew the end of the word endometriosis back then. That's what I'm super stoked about these days is that it's becoming more of a common word out there, a household word for that matter. So um, I ended up having some severe chest pains while I was on the road uh, and I went to go see a cardiologist and we did plenty of tests and he came down with that it was stress that was causing my, my chest pain and that I had a rare disease, heart disease, that only was with Asian women, and this is what I talk about, um, how it takes really 10 years to get a diagnosis. It took me 20 years to really get a diagnosis, but on average, it takes most women with with endometriosis 10 years to get a diagnosis because we have to go through this bullshit. I mean, seriously, a rare Asian disease, I'm not Asian in any way, you know, and that's, you don't see it in white women. so it was really bizarre that that's what he decided to come up with. And that is what I kind of figured that I had. So I ended up going to a naturopath after that because uh, naturopathic care works better with me than, uh, than Western medicine for the most part. So, and it was her that caught onto it. She said, huh, does this chest pain also come around with your periods? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not totally sure. And she was like, could you tell me about your periods? And that's when I finally revealed to somebody that I was, you know, that I was passing out from my periods. Um, And at this point, it was happening every month for me. Before in the past, it was usually during stressful times for me. So maybe it was happening only four times a year, which is, again, why I thought it was food poisoning, because, you know, you can have food poisoning four times in a year. (laughs) So and that's and she looked at me and she said, I don't know where to send you. I don't know if there's anybody that even specializes in this she said you have an incredibly hard road ahead of you and i don't know what to tell you and i don't know how to help you and i was in san diego at the time my home base is portland oregon or at that time uh and i was like shit what the fuck what am i gonna do you know and i went back home i did all the research, and I looked into endometriosis, and I was like, okay, this is what we're working with. So at that point I was like, we gotta get back to Oregon because I needed to get myself some state care in whatever way that I could for insurance so that I could get my diagnostic surgery because I had learned that the only way to really diagnose endometriosis is through surgery. So, um, but I would have to wait another year to get that surgery, unfortunately. And during that time, endometriosis had taken over a major leg, neck, leg nerve uh, going through my back and it put me into a wheelchair. So for five months while I was awaiting surgery, I was in a wheelchair uh, and also having these cyclical, you know, uh, periods that were making me pass out from pain over and over again and vomit and, you know expel excrement out of me. Um, And I finally, and I learned from the specialist, quote unquote, endospecialist that I met with um, in Portland, Oregon, that uh, he was not going to be able to do the diaphragm or thoracic surgery on me because nobody did that. It was just pelvic endometriosis and there's only pelvic endometriosis. It's not even possible for there to be thoracic endometriosis. So, and this was again, a so-called endo specialist. So that's why I really tell women to really do your research when you're you're looking for an endo specialist and I will give you guys uh, places to go to to find that um, you know at the end of my story here. Um, So we got the diagnostic surgery and my sister in Wisconsin hits me up and she says you know my duplex is opening above above me. Uh, They own the house and she was like our the whole family's just freaked out right now about you. Like we want you to come home, we want you to take a year off, you know, we want you to get well. And I was like, fuck you, i worked really hard for my career and my community in Portland and for my house in Portland, I was just, you know, I was so, I was so happy where I was. But three months after that diagnostic surgery, it was back and fierce and it was awful. And I called her up and I was like, I'm coming back home. <laughs> Get me in there, get me in that upper duplex. I needed definitely some family assistance, Um, you know, not necessarily every day did I need assistance from people, but definitely, you know, two weeks out of the month, I needed people to get me, you know, occasional groceries, um, you know, go pick up medications or something for me if I was not going to be able to get out of bed. It also allowed me to uh, be a little bit of a nanny for her to, uh, for my nephews that I call the nephews, dudes. I have eight nieces and nephews. I call these the nephews dudes because uh, they're very special to me because for, let's see, six years of their lives, I got to be a little bit of a part-time mom. I got to take them three hours out of the day. And I'll tell you, uh, Bryce, the four-year-old, uh, he was four years old when I moved back. He took care of me most days. I mean, this guy is going to be an incredible support system to someone, to whoever his partner is one day. But you know, this four-year-old knew that I couldn't get out of my bed, um, and he would get the snacks for his three-year-old brother, his two-year-old brother actually at the time, or bring me the apple juice bottle, you know, and pour water in the apple juice bottle for me and everything so that I could, you know. Put down his brother for a nap, and that type of thing. So I was really blessed to have these wonderful children around, and two young men too that you know really do understand this disease very well now. And they are, gosh, what? Can be twelve and uh, nine. Yeah, thirteen and nine. Oh my gosh, they're getting so old so quick. How does this happen? So. Yeah, I went back home and it would again take me three, wait, no, four more years to finally find a thoracic endometriosis surgeon. I looked around in Wisconsin. Um, I finally found this group called Nancy's Nook on uh, Facebook and it has an international listing of what we call excision endometriosis surgeons. And so they're There's two different endometriosis surgeries that are out there right now. There's excision surgery and there's ablation. Ablation is just when they burn it. And that is the surgery that I first got. And that doesn't do much for the disease. It'll take it away for a little while. I don't think that there's anyone that's actually had full like has had that surgery um, and not had to have surgeries after that. Um, So it just they just burn it away. And what they've learned is that there's these little seedlings that are still in there and they're still coming back. So there's excision surgery now that's been out actually since the eighties, but now it's finally becoming now the norm and what we call the gold standard, because unfortunately most of these excision surgeons take only the best of the best insurance. And when it comes to thoracic endometriosis surgeons, most of them don't even take insurance because they are just so damn needed that people are willing to pay out of pocket. So I did find an excision specialist in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I was living. Uh, I met with her and she told me that she did think that she could do the thoracic surgery. So I was super stoked. I was like, all right, we got this and it's covered by insurance. Uh, Well, she left me hanging for six months. And finally, my mother and my sister decided to come with me to my final appointment with her, where we sat down and said, what is going on? And they said, well, listen, your insurance is only going to cover two hours of the surgery. It's going to be a six hour surgery. So she's not going to be paid what she is worth. But I also found out that she did not have a did have she did not have the thoracic experience that I needed I was going to be pretty much an experiment to her and to a thoracic surgeon that she knew and felt you know could do the surgery for me so I was like I don't really want to be an experiment by any means you know and this woman is not going to get paid what she's worth and she's kind of being a bitch about this too by leaving me hang for six months you know and finally not actually say anything until I bring you know an entourage with me to kind of you know help advocate for myself so and I said to her, okay well I'm thinking about sending my records to this guy in Atlanta his name is Dr. Ken Sinerbo, and he is the best of the best surgeons for endometriosis in the world and I was thinking about sending my records and just seeing if you know what it would cost to have surgery with him because he usually doesn't take insurance and um, if he thought that he could do the surgery and she said well if you're going to take your records then we're not going to do the surgery with you. We won't do surgery with you at all. She obviously had an ego problem. So I was like, "Well, I'm taking my records and I'm going to somebody new." So I sent my records to him. He was like, "Yes, I think we can help you. I think we can get you well." Um, he also thought that I most likely had adenomyosis. Adenomyosis. I always fuck up this word. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and I did. We did an ultrasound with him, and he was able to verify that I did have uh, adenomyosis, which actually a hysterectomy is a cure for. There is this myth that a hysterectomy is a cure for endometriosis and I really want to scream this as loud as possible. It is not a cure, I am living proof of this. Um, And a lot of OBGYNs don't know that yet because even though the evidence has been out there again since really like the 80s, it just takes so long for the Western medical world to like catch up with the studies you know, so please just know that. So if your doctors, if your OBGYN says to you, we're gonna do a hysterectomy to cure you, or they say, we want you to get pregnant because that's a cure, that's also not a cure at all. There is some women that it has improved their endometriosis and stem cells, which babies basically are, are a beautiful, amazing fucking thing. So it's not surprising. But it's not a cure so and that's just a telltale sign that you don't want to have surgery with this OBGYN and you really need to find an incision specialist so I had in 2018 I uh, had surgery with Dr. Ken Sinervo in Atlanta and, and, and the hysterectomy and I was like hell yeah I'm gonna be good I'm gonna be awesome like I'm gonna start my life up again. And I started doing consulting again for nonprofits. And I started to launch a nonprofit for um, a group that I had been working with. And eight months later, a year later, I started to have the pains again. And my doctors, my public floor therapist, they all were saying, Mo, do you think the endo's back? And I was like, no, it can't be. It's, I just had a $60,000 over $60,000 yeah procedure out of pocket that I had to literally you know like lean on my parents for that I did not have that money at all because I had been only able to work part-time for the last six years because I had been so damn sick and I had spent so much money on treatments an out-of-pocket cost. I even had an emergency surgery when I was 26 that was most likely endometriosis related that I was out of network for. So it was a $30,000 surgery that came out of pocket. So I was like, there's no possible way. And the hysterectomy is supposed to help some women with endometriosis. I was like, it's not possible. I had the hysterectomy. I had it with the best of the best. This guy has a 90%, you know, success rate. Um, which it turns out it's really not that high. I just think that there's a lot of girls like myself that haven't gone back to him because they don't want to tell him that he, that he didn't do it. I mean, he's a really compassionate, sweet guy and I did hit him up and tell him and he was really awesome about it and even offered to try to get uh, the hospital to uh, do a free surgery for me since the first one didn't take. Um, but yeah, I, was, uh, I had to leave. So I was like, no, it's not possible. I don't have endometriosis again. And then I had some familiar pains about four months later that I was like, yeah, that definitely feels like it's endometriosis. And I called up my OBGYN and I said, can you call in an ultrasound for me? And she's like, I trust you. She's like, she knows that I know more than she does uh, at this point. And lo and behold, I did. It looked like I had an endometrioma on my uh, left ovary. So I was like, okay, it's back. And then the pandemic hit. And my nonprofit did not survive the pandemic. And I was getting, I got so stressed out. And I'm learning that stress and endometriosis goes hand in hand with me. It really helps to progress the disease for me. It's a different trigger for every woman, for for different women. But for me, stress is definitely my trigger. So I was super stressed out. The disease is progressing. I am puking, vomiting. shitting pissing on the floor every single day basically because I'm in so much damn pain um, and I'm no longer able to work and I hit up my parents and I'm like I'm gonna have to lean on you guys like I can't afford rent Um, so they're helping me out for a bit and they are also again financially strapped because they had helped they basically paid the bulk of the $60,000 surgery for me and so they are still financially struggling My folks are in their seventies and they are both working right now, basically because they have a sick daughter and, and July 27th, 2020 I get an email from my father, the most heartbreaking, but most heartfelt email saying, this was the hardest email I've ever had ever had to write in my life. And that your mother and I feel like that we have failed you because we didn't realize how sick you were in your teens and in your twenties. Um, and we would give you all of our limbs, you know, if it would get you well. And he's like, I'm trying to get another full-time job right now, but I can't find one in this economy to support you. And I'm not gonna be able to support your rent going forward. And I was like, damn, <laughs> I was like, I feel so horrible. I've been such a burden for these people, you know, like my, my folks have worked their entire lives and saved their entire lives to support their four children, eight grandchildren, um, and they're one really, really sick fucking child, you know, uh, and now, you know, they're having to work full time in their 70s, and they should just be able to fucking retire already, you know, and I'm just, I started to really kind of, and they were like, well, you know, we'll try to get a three bedroom apartment, and we'll get you and Kamara, who is my dog. They weren't allowed to actually have dogs in the apartment that they're in right now. And my mom works for the apartment complex where she is. They have so many friends in that apartment complex. They are so happy there. Like, I was like, oh, I don't want to take that away from you. And the rest of my family was not able to either have a dog or there just wasn't room for me. I mean, right now, during a pandemic, you inviting somebody and their pony-sized dog into your home is a lot, especially when... Literally, they are puking and shitting on your fucking floor, you know, and are passing out on you um, and are, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm not a great housemate, you know, Um I am a lot of work and it's not pretty to watch me, you know, my life is, is really, really gross to be totally real, you know, so I was like, okay, you know, I, am basically becoming homeless. So I reached out to all the different social services that are out there, but they're all tapped because it's COVID. Everybody's broke right now. So I can't get rental assistance. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? So I've been in touch with this uh, Portland surgeon who's a thoracic surgeon as well uh, over the years. And I hit him up and I say, you know, I used to live in Portland, Oregon. I'm thinking about moving back, getting state insurance and having surgery with you, but I bet you don't take state insurance. And he said, I don't but let me call you next week. And he does, and he listens to my story. And he's already listened to my story a few times. Um, And he just feels awful. He knows that I have fought tooth and nail. I have tried everything, every damn drug, every hormone, every surgery, and I have not been able to win this battle. And he can tell that I'm a hard worker. I love to work. I'm not somebody that's just trying to get disability and just live off a disability check here. I am fiercely fighting. And he said, "You know what? I'm gonna. I'll give you a pro bono surgery." And I was like, "Holy fucking loia! Like, yes!" So I hit up some friends in Portland. I tell a handful of people of what's really going on in my life because I'm so damn embarrassed about it. And uh, my friends say, "Yeah, come out here. Let's. We'll give you some place to stay." And they're like, "How long do you think it's gonna be?" I'm like, "Probably six months." I was like, "It's about three month wait to get in with him for surgery." You know, so I think it'll be about six months. And so, you know, I move in with friends that are offering for me to live with them for free uh, for six months, my buddy uh, and his girlfriend who also lives down the block, but she's, you know, also doing a whole lot for me. She's been cooking for me. She's been trying to help me out a ton. Um, And I finally meet with a specialist um, and uh, we do this MRI and I find out that not only is endometriosis bad, there's not one organ in my body. That's where it's supposed to fucking be right now. My bladder is attached to my vagina. I don't even know how that's physically possible, but it is. Uh, when I, I knew something was up when I was in the MRI because the dudes came over the radio in the MRI and they were like, have you had surgeries? Uh, and they're like, possible hysterectomy. And I was like, yeah, I had hysterectomy. I have both my ovaries, though. And I could tell they were having trouble finding my ovaries. They could not find my ovaries at all. Um, and unfortunately, we only did a pelvic MRI. So we don't even know how bad it is in my diaphragm right now. But in my last surgery, uh, it was on nine different organs. And I have what's called deeply infiltrating endometriosis. So there's three different types of endometriosis. There's uh, deeply infiltrating endometriosis, which we are learning has Uh, two different gene mutations that are like cancer Um, and it's very stubborn and it does infiltrate organs, uh, your body's cavity. It will even infiltrate muscle and bone, even. Uh, and then there's superficial endometriosis, which makes, endometri- makes it sound like it's no big thing. And it's, it's horrible, but it's just what regular endometriosis is. I and mean, that's just endometriosis that's found on top of the organs or on top of the body's cavity. And then we have endometriomas, which is just a really big, silly word for endometriosis cyst. Um, and we saw that I had deeply infiltrating endometriosis, diving in on my liver, my appendix, my bladder, my bowels, my vagina, my, my ovary you know, um, into my chest wall. Um, and we assume that since it's already back, obviously in my pelvis and it's buried my ovaries and my left ovary is pretty much attached to my colon right now. And it's also diving into my hip joint that the endometriosis in my diaphragm and in my thoracic regions are probably back as well too. Um, and that I just need to embrace that. So we have now scheduled surgery. It's not going to be until September. So the dude that I've been staying with, who's a bro to me and has been completely awesome. Like I said, I, I can tell that I'm a burden and, uh, i i mean we live in a patriarchal capitalistic society that makes chronic pain and pain and chronic illness people feel like they are a burden and that's really not the mindset that i'm trying to give here uh but i am i am a lot to live with right now so um and this guy is actually going to be moving in with his girlfriend so i was like you know what i need to stop leaning on these folks as well too so i started just pet sit and that's where i am today i am pet sitting right now for two wonderful kitties and a beautiful golden retriever who loves to play with my girl, Kamara. Um, And I'm going to be going to another pet sitting job on Saturday. Um, And I was hoping to pet sit until basically surgery and maybe even after surgery, after maybe I took a few months afterwards, because I'm going to have to stay out here in Portland and work with these specialists. But my specialist told me something that I've been thinking about for a while and that I kind of knew to be true in my gut, but I wasn't really expecting to hear from him. And he said, this is going to be a lifelong battle. He was like, I... He said, I, can, I can't fix you. He was like, but we have to go in and we have to save your organs. You know, otherwise, you know, eventually this is going to become an emergency situation and you may not make it. You know? He was like, but um, I'm not gonna be able, this is not going to be your last surgery. He's like, you've had the hysterectomy, you've tried everything. He was like, we are starting to learn that there are more and more women that are like you, especially with deeply infiltrating endometriosis, which they made the acronym DIE for, D-I-E. I'm like, come on guys, like you could have rearranged that in so many other ways. But, you know, um, so he's, yeah, he's basically has told me, you know, this is lifelong. And so over the past month, while I have been kind of mulling this over, I have realized I need, and I have a planner, I'm, I'm somebody that loves to plan, plan things out um, and I, now I'm planning for an uncertain future. So the more that I plan for my uncertain future, the, the better I feel about it. So I hit up a disability lawyer, I've started that process now. He thinks it's going to take me about two years to get there, but I should be able to get disability. But still, that's a huge chunk of time to not be having income and to be living off of food stamps because that's what I'm doing right now. And it's really, really tough. You know, like yesterday, I went to go to the food pantry and I passed out at the food pantry while I was there. Luckily, they know me well enough and it was endearing and fun. And they made it funny somehow and made me laugh in the process (laughs) and got me some water and helped me, you know, get through the pain so that I could get my groceries uh, into the car of my friend who I'm borrowing right now and get back to my pet sitting job. Um, but uh, I need to start planning for something bigger. So with the help of some friends, I am now starting a fundraiser campaign to get myself a trailer to live in because you know what trailer park living is my dream. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) But honestly, tiny home living has always been my dream. So um, I decided, you know what, Let's be real. This has been an adventure. There's a reason that you picked me to hear my story. This has been a fucking adventure the last ten years. Let's make it. Let's keep on with that, and let's keep on making it adventure. So, I am going to be doing. I'm doing a fundraiser, you know, to get a trailer so that I can live out of that for the next two years, that'll also give me a very small place for me to recoup because these surgeries take sometimes eight months. I mean, it took me two years to finally get back to really where I was and I already had endometriosis back. You know but the scar tissue really took two years to kind of get used to from that surgery so this will give me you know time to heal by myself and also in a small environment so that i don't have to be you know going upstairs or like you know going through a living room and a kitchen and everything the living room the kitchen the bed they're all in the same damn room it's all going to be good and they will help me to actually in the healing process And since this is going to be lifelong, and I really am trying to hit this now holistically as much as possible because Western medicine has really failed me, uh, the care out here is so much better. Portland, Oregon, Oregon in general is really known for its holistic care. And the insurance is covering it. Acupuncture, naturopathic care, those things are covered for me here where they were an expense that I was paying $300 out of pocket for every doctor's visit in Wisconsin for. I mean, there's a reason I'm broke right now. You know, and it's really because insurance and really Western medicine does not understand how debilitating and fucked up this disease really is. So having this trailer will allow me to go back and be with my family for a few months out of the year, because I am, I I know that I'm privileged in many ways. One, I am a white female, you know, with endometriosis, people of color that are dealing with this or any illness have it really far worse off than I do, unfortunately. And I also have a family that believes me. So many women with endometriosis are completely abandoned by their family because they just don't understand the disease and they just don't understand how much it impacts their lives daily. They think, well, it's, you know, just one week out of the month. And it's like, no, some of us are having periods all year long. And some of us don't even need to have a period to be feeling unwell because our organs are so bound up that they are just so damn sick and diseased. So that is where I'm at these days. I, um. Yeah, I've got. Like I said, it's not going to be until September 27th that I'm getting surgery, and the reason for that is because it is a pro bono surgery. You know, like he's not getting paid anything for this, so I get pushed back a little bit. I'm not going to be get in three months. You know, like people do that pay out of pocket to see him or have that gold standard insurance that I can no longer afford. So yeah, that is really my journey, and that is where I'm at this day, today. Yes.
0: Holy fuck. Oh my God. I can't even like pick like a specific point to like start with. Oh my God. The fact that you have gone through all of this, you're still going through it to this day, and you are sitting here having this conversation with me, educating me, educating others, sharing your story to help other people out is just unbelievable. Like the work that you are doing right now on your Instagram even just having this conversation with me is making so much of a difference in helping so many people. The fact that you're sitting here feeling like <laughs> shit, throwing up, shitting the whole nine yards and you are doing things for other people still is just like outstanding. Like that's truly amazing that you're finding that strength and you're still, you're still trying to live your life and you're still doing all of this. You. Like, Thank I really applaud you for doing that i was gonna ask how this affected your
1: life but holy shit there has been yeah there hasn't been a day that it hasn't affected my life unfortunately like now that i look back on it and that's something that i really want to express to women i know i've already said it once is that um there's nothing that you did to get you know to have this disease this disease is not your fault i can I, I love to, you know, self-gaslight myself all the time. I think all of us do that do have, you know, illness and pain chronically. That's just something that we do. But here's the deal, y'all. Like, it's, it's not our fucking fault. But the real truth is, unfortunately, it is our responsibility to heal it. So uh, we got to keep on advocating for ourselves. We got to keep on, you know, breaking up with doctors that are complete assholes and aren't, you know, willing to even do the research themselves. I mean, I show up to appointments with a stack of not just my own research because my my medical records are beautiful research for endometriosis, but I also come with the research alongside with it. You know, that's been out there. Um, and that's where, uh, so there's two different groups that are out there. I told you guys about the Nancy Nooks group on Facebook. There is also another group out there that has a website that um, is, I guess, vetting these, sur- these surgeons. Like they put them through an interview process. Um, they find out if they truly are excision surgeons. And what excision surgeons do is that they really cut it out like cancer. Like they really cut it out with margins with the hope that it won't come back. And there has been a higher success rate for that uh, than ablation. So Nancy's Nook is a really great place to go to, to look for, you know, surgeons, specialists that are going to be in your areas. Uh, They also have a shit ton of files that have all of the different studies of endometriosis that Uh, regular people without a, you know, medical license can't have access to. So this is a place where you are going to be able to get your research. Um, There are other support groups that are out there that are going to help with the emotional piece. Um, I'm not a big fan of those groups because it helps to add to me being despondent. Like it's, it's hard for me to see women that are Um, You know, really suffering with this as well and not feel for them and then also reflect on it for myself and then, you know, start to get into a negative mentality about the disease. And when I get into a negative mentality about the disease, my symptoms get worse. So I don't allow for that to really happen anymore. Do I grieve for my losses? Yes, we all have to do that. I grieve my old self probably three times a year, you know, and it's ugly, it's messy. You know, it's snot all over you, just, you know, bawling through it for a few days. Um, but then there's that release, and then you're able to, again, focus on the, um, you know, the silver linings and really just trying to be optimistic, you know, through this. So um, another thing that women need to understand is that we can't compare ourselves to everyday people. That's just gonna create so much misery for you. Um, I went through after my ablation surgery and moving back to Wisconsin. I went through a very deep depression of two years. I mean, I crawled into a hole and I barely came out of it, you know, except for to work and to um, to uh, hang out with the nep dudes. Um, but I was incredibly depressed, um, and I did. I mourned myself for a long time, and like I said, those symptoms became so much worse that I finally was like, okay. We gotta, we gotta try to do something different. And for me, my superpower is my mental health. I, I know how to narrow hack my brain and exercise is a big piece for me. And even though I'm disabled, even when I was in that damn wheelchair, I was still pushing myself with one foot down the street, going for a quote unquote walk every day. So in doing sit-ups on the floor with just my abdomen and not using my legs, you know, or trying to do push-ups on one knee because the other leg I couldn't bend at the time, you know, like I was really trying to um, get those endorphins, the oxytocin, the dopamine that I get from exercise to kind of change my brain chemistry, and these days what I actually do because uh, the chronic fatigue has gotten so bad that when I do you know, if I would try to do like a hit workout, you know, or try to dance or do something like that, I would be in bed the next day and not be able to get out of it completely. Um, I go for walks now these days. So my dog and I go for a walk and sometimes it'll take me three hours to make three miles. Sometimes I can do it in an hour and a half. You know, But it doesn't matter, it just means that I get out there and my body just knows that the second that I start to even put any effort in to try to exercise, I go immediately into a runner's high. That is my superpower. So I don't do well with opiates, I don't do well with pain meds, I don't do well with any medications really at all. Hormones made me crazy. Those two years that I was really depressed, it was really a lot because they had me on the uh, Mirena IUD And even though it was progesterone uh, um, based and progesterone is not supposed to be as bad as uh, estrogen, oh my God, I was a miserable wreck and I was angry all the time. I was just an angry bitch to people. I mean, I even had a coworker come up to me and say, what's going on with you? Like you aren't, you aren't yourself, you know, for some time. So we all have our different ways of managing it too. So not only do we not need to compare ourselves to everyday people, normal people, we can't compare ourselves to other endometriosis women as well too. You really got to just coach yourself um, because everybody's going to, some, for some people, the hormones work and it's amazing. Um, but what we're learning is that the hormones are just covering up your symptoms. So they may be working for having you actually live a more normal life but they actually aren't helping with the progression of the disease is what we are starting to learn. So also be aware of that too, um, especially women that are trying to get pregnant. Um, because if you're trying to get pregnant and you know, in, you're taking the home hormones thinking that's going to help you, it, it may not help you at all. You know? And it may just be covering up the fact that your fallopian tubes are getting more and more diseased and that you may lose your fallopian tube in the next surgery. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, but yeah, everybody's got their different tools. Everybody responds differently to the different medications. I really encourage everybody to try everything, even though it's a pain in the ass, but you gotta, you know, I've been at this game now 10 years, so I know what works for me. Um, and I know that, uh, I know, you know, how to live each day that's going to benefit me and not make me despondent and not make my symptoms worse. Um, I also know, you know, different diet, to stick to, uh, different diets too. There's all these girls that are jumping on you know, these groups and they're like, oh, go vegan, because I went vegan and it totally worked for me. Well, for some women, they need to eat meat, you know? And for some women, it may not be gluten-free that works for them. So again, embrace all the different diets that are out there too. It's gonna take some time to figure out what works for you. And that sucks, I know. But in the long run, once you figure out what your tools are, it'll make your life so much easier
0: wow okay you are giving so much important advice and so much valuable advice because the fact that you're just being real you're being blunt you're being honest i think is amazing because you're like okay yeah it's gonna suck at times like i love that you're not sugarcoating any of this like you are truly saying what's going to happen and like what does happen to people. And I think that like, we need more of that. We need more people doing things like that. You're sharing your whole truth right now. And I think that that's truly amazing that you're able to do that. You're able to even speak on your low points and your high points and you're able to go through it all. So again, I applaud you for all that you're doing right now. It's truly incredible.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, There's one other group that I do want to mention to uh, your listeners, and that is called the extra pelvic, not rare group. And this is um, the group that's going to be uh, for women that have en- that suspect that they have endometriosis outside of their reproductive organs. This group, again, also has all the files of all the different studies that have been out there. Uh, go And I mean, shoot, there's even a file on the history of endometriosis, going back to even like the medieval times where women were actually hung upside down from ladders because they thought their uteruses were strangling them, and they thought that would unstrangle their uterus, or they would try to strangle women because they thought that would unstrangle their uterus, or they thought they were witches, so they burned them, or they thought they were demonic, so they did exorcisms on them. Yes, Uh, this is where the word hysteria Uh, Came out of. (laughs) What in the hell? Oh my God. And actually, the word hysteria uh, actually was a medical term. I think it was even Hippocrates that came up with it, that was about pelvic pain and about how, and he had actually seen the disease. And he was, I think, one of the people that kind of came up with the idea that it was strangling because it was strangling. He saw that it was strangling the organs, you know, or whatnot. But if he was referring to that, it was debilitating pain and it was causing that. That is what hysteria is. It is what happens when someone is in such debilitating pain for such a long time. But now, you know. Medieval times it turned into women being witches and just being emotional and, you know, and then, yeah, the patriarchy continued to mess us up for the next, you know, several hundred years or whatnot to be where we're at these days. And thank God I'm living during a time, you know, where I'm not going to be exercised <laughs> for having this damn disease and I can't speak out publicly about it and I can't talk about my fucking period without it being taboo, you know. Um, or had been rejected by my family or my friends, for that matter. So I, like I said, I'm very fortunate that I do have such an incredible support system, and that's one of the things that I love that I'm trying to include in my page. So on my pages, I have Momotivate, or yeah, uh which was my original Instagram page. You know that I started up for my personal stuff years ago, uh, and then I just kind of got bored with Instagram. And then once I got really sick, and I started to look into Uh, a thoracic endometriosis surgeon around like 2017. That's when I was like, all right, I'm relaunching, you know, my Instagram page and I'm gonna concentrate a little bit. I'm I'm gonna share some of my journey with it. And then since January, I have started up a TikTok page called Going Robe because I wear a robe every day. My neighbors and where I used to live for the last six years in Wisconsin, they all knew me as the robe lady. I mean, there was a lot of talk around the neighborhood until they finally found out what was going on with me. They're like, who is this weird lady that's outside with her nephews every single day in, in robe? I've never seen a lady outside her place without a robe. Like, does she go to the store in a robe? And you know what, I have gone to the store in the robe. So, I mean, I've got big Lebowski fucking dreams here. Living in this robe, <laughs> but I'm going rogue in this robe, trying to heal. So going robe just seemed very appropriate. It was a term that my sister Katie came up with, who's just brilliant and hilarious. So I have a TikTok page that I do that, um, and what I do on that page is, you know, I create some some laughs. I also create support. I wanna hear other women's stories and I wanna tell their stories if they want me to share them. A lot of women don't want to personally share their story but they want their story to be heard. Um, I also answer questions. I mean. I do consider myself an endo expert at this point. I really, this it has been more than a part-time job for the last 10 years that I have been studying this. I know more than most OBGYNs. Specialists, no, I don't know more than them. But can I sit down and and jive with them and talk for hours with them about it scientifically? Absolutely. So I also do that on those pages. Um, And I also just, kind of celebrate myself and really just cheer myself on. I gotta be my, fu- my own fucking cheerleader these days. Um, I have been isolated pretty much for the last eight years, you know, outside of the Neph dudes, the people that have seen me at my grocery co-op who I absolutely adore because they cheered me through. I mean, like these people became my friends because they could just tell. I mean, I passed out numerous times at the grocery store even. Um, and they pick me up off the floor and be like, what's wrong with you lady? And I tell them what's going on with this disease, you know? So I had, you know, that was the only people that I actually really saw for some time. So having that TikTok page, and now I'm actually uh, sharing a lot of that TikTok on my Instagram page going robe, because I put a lot of also the ugly shit on there. Like the days that I really can't get out of bed. And I'm in so much pain that the tears are streaming down my face. The fatigue has become so bad that I just, I can't cheer myself on anymore, you know, and all I can do is spoon my dog, you know, and have a bucket next to me to like puke into or, or shit into because I may not be able to make it to the bathroom um, or pee into because I pee every 15 minutes, which I probably should go do soon. But anyways, uh, yeah, this is, you know, these pages are where I put the ugly stuff. The support stuff, the educational stuff, and the laughs that go along with it. And I want to be able to support other women because, like I said, I'm really fortunate that I do have doctors that believe me and families that believe me. Um, And most endometriosis warriors don't have that going on for themselves, and I want to be their family for them. I want to help if they don't have the capacity to research uh, a doctor for themselves, I will research that doctor for them. I don't want any women to be in the position I'm in. I want them all to have an earlier start with this, because the earlier that you have a start, the earlier that you can probably fix this and actually live a fulfilling life. So, and I'm still making this life fulfilling. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, we're turning this into an adventure, but um, I really don't wanna see any more women suffer like I have suffered uh, and suffer silently either. So if I can tell their stories and they don't feel comfortable doing it, then I will. And I'm happy to do that. So. That's pretty much what's going on with my pages. Um, I was really hoping to one day be invited onto a podcast. So I'm so grateful for you for bringing me on here because this just shows me that the work that I'm doing, the very little work that I can do these days, you know, is what I'm supposed to be doing. And one more thing that I do want to say to women um, or uh, or, um, anybody that's actually suffering from this disease, there is a handful of men that have suffered from it. Um, and you know, not all women want to be, you know, not everybody that has uh female anatomy wants to be called women. Um, so anybody that is suffering from this disease, I want you to know that for w- first things first is that your body's trying to do the best for you. Don't hate on your body. It really is trying to do the best for you. The more that you can try to get in tune with it and do the best for your body, the easier that's that this fight is going to be for you. Um, and the other pieces too, that, um, uh, what was I going to say? See, this brain fog gets so bad with chronic fatigue syndrome sometimes. Um, is that I think that this journey is to reveal our most authentic selves. Like, I think there is a purpose in this. And I think that purpose is probably different for everybody. But I know for me, it's revealing my authentic self. It's revealing who I'm supposed to be. And it's also... Um, Make me be a bit more spiritual and really find a, a tie to my spirit. So, like I said, I think it's different for everybody, but I think there is a purpose with this disease. And I, and if I can help you find that purpose, I'm happy to listen to your story and and see if I can see if there's you know something in there that I see because we all do, see different things in different you know in different stories, and I'm happy to uh, share that with them. So just just know that um, you are worthy. You are so damn worthy. Like I know this disease makes us feel so unworthy, but we are so damn worthy and we are so fierce. We are so incredible. We are such incredible fighters. I don't care if you're crying every day through this fight. That makes you even stronger. Cry it out, release it. We got to grieve this shit. Um, But let it also be an empowering journey journey as well too. I'm literally crying right now, oh
0: my gosh. (laughs) You you. are amazing. You are an icon. Oh my goodness. Like, I can't even imagine the pain that you are going through every day. And you are out here saying right now that you are trying to help other people, that you will research doctors for other people, that you're going to be the support system. You're going to be the team you are doing the most right now. And it's just like, it's incredible. Truly the work that you are doing is helping so many people whether you know it or not like you are putting tears in my eyes right now and i don't even have this disease like you (laughs) are just speaking really to the heart right now it's truly incredible what you're doing and i can't even thank you enough for coming on and for sharing this and being so honest and being so real and you're being lighthearted at the same time like you're making jokes with it and you're having fun and you're truly like seeing the silver lining and all of this like you're making the best out of it which is so incredible to see i'm just i'm blown away by your strength and by your courage this is just outstanding and i i truly cannot thank you enough from the second i saw your profile i was like she is the one i need on this episode there's no one who could have told this story better there's no one who could have explained endo better like truly i'm honored to have this conversation with you today like I'm blown away. I'm not
1: crying, you're crying. I think I've teared up about eight times this whole
0: episode.
1: Oh, thank you for saying all those things. It just, yeah, it feels really good. And like I said, this has been a complete honor. And like I told you, um, you know, off of um, this interview, like you remind me so much of a young version of myself. And it's just really nice to see that I, you know, at your age could have been flourishing like this too. And I just, you are also an icon and an incredible being that, and I just, I listened to two of your podcasts this last week. Um, I would, I'm would i gonna be listening to so much more going forward now. I am now a fan officially, um, but yes, uh, you're doing it. You as well are doing amazing work and I, the, the female community, non-binary community as well is grateful to have you out there. Yeah. Let's see how
0: many times I could cry right now. I'm about to like take it down. <laughs> Everyone, make sure to follow Mo's account. I'm going to attach all the links in the episode description. Make sure you follow all of her pages. I'm going to put all the mentions in there. Please make sure to follow this account. Spread the word. Share this message. Share this story. And get the word out there. And let's just keep talking. Let's keep this conversation going. I think that it's so important that we keep talking about these really important things and keep advocating for this disease so mo thank you times a million for everything that you're doing i'm again i'm blown away i'm so thankful i'm so grateful to have met you now through this community and to have shared this with you i'm so i'm so thankful
1: me too thank you thank you so much
0: thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the girls room don't forget to subscribe leave me a review and follow me on instagram at the girls room underscore pod see you next week for an all-new episode